0: The Civil War of the Century is happening right now. Odds are you've caught glimpses of what's going on in Southeast Asia. These countries touch your life every single day, from the shoes you wear to the cars you drive. These 11 countries have a profound impact on the world. Myanmar specifically is one of the largest of these countries. Since their independence in 1948, Myanmar has been in one of the longest running civil wars. Throughout the century, rebels have sprung up, from small rural ethnic groups to massive urban governments. The good news is within the past decade, Myanmar has experienced what many deemed impossible, free and fair elections. Immediately this changed in 2021, when the military swept in and took over the government. They arrested officials who were fairly elected. This has thrust the people of Myanmar into yet another civil war more violent and bloody than ever. For the first time in history, rebel armies have united to fight for the freedom of their people. But the moral compass of Myanmar, the church, is at a crossroads. Do we as the church want to see our brothers and sisters suffer, leaving them to hurt in isolation? Do we want to stop the momentum of God's recent growth in Myanmar? Do we want to prevent the Myanmar people from fighting to keep the true king on the throne of this highly strategic region? Then join us as we mobilize the body of Christ to bring back healing, wholeness, and purpose to our Myanmar people. At The Glory Project, that's what we do. We are a collection of Christ-driven brothers and sisters who will never forget our isolated family in Christ. The Glory Project works closely with indigenous churches leaders, and ministries who are building the kingdom of God. We see how true transformation in Southeast Asia occurs only when the local church, one, identifies their immediate needs, and, two, mobilizes and sends. You have seen the Glory Project supporting church planters on the run, helping a pastor build a bunker for his neighborhood, offering peace and help to refugees fleeing from a war-torn homeland starting ministry base in the northern Himalayas on the front lines of civil war, giving children hope when they have suddenly been orphaned. We need you. Myanmar needs you. Join us. Let's be there for the church in Myanmar. Let's be the hands and feet of Jesus all across Southeast Asia.
1: Okay, now we're good. All right. Okay. Um, so yeah, my name is Breck Merkel, and how many kids again do I have? Four. Four, um, and they range from 13 all the way down to eight. Okay. So you all on the second row, I am in that current stage of life as well, and so I am praising the Lord that as a family you are here worshiping God and being able to understand what He's doing in Asia. Now, we're going to dig into the book of Daniel here in a little bit, but first I wanted to share with you the overall vision for the Glory Project. Um, The vision and the mission of the Glory Project is this. It's going to come up right here on this screen. It's to reach the unreached, the people of Asia, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we do that by sending out native local missionaries to start churches in every village. And so the heartbeat of all we do, the, the call that God has placed upon our heart, is to send out and mobilize the local indigenous church to finish the Great Commission task of making disciples of all nations. Um, and I believe that they are the ones who can faithfully fulfill that because as COVID has taught us, the world can shut down in a matter of a week. And yet, all those missionaries who got kicked out, who remained? Who remained? in those countries that were closed off to any Western missionaries, the locals. They are always there, being able to have a faithful witness for Christ. And politically, any country can go into an upheaval and close down their borders, and yet who remains? The remnant, the church that God has established in that place. And so if you've got your Bibles this morning, we are going to be in Daniel chapter 2, and I want you to go to verse 44, and we're going to read verses 44 through 49. Prior to reading this, though, I want you to understand that the main theme of the book of Daniel is that God's kingdom will endure. While other nations and other kingdoms will fall, it is the kingdom of God that will prevail. And that is the theme we see throughout the book of Daniel. So in verse 44 of Daniel chapter 2, let's read this. I will start in verse 44 and go all the way to 49. And if you're physically able this morning, if you would stand with me in honor of God's word as I read from Daniel chapter 2 verses 45 through 49. In the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which will never be destroyed. And that kingdom will not be left for another people. It will crush and put an end to all these kingdoms, but it will itself endure forever. Inasmuch as you saw that a stone was cut out of the mountain without hands and that it crushed the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold, The great God has made known to the king what will take place in the future. So the dream is true and its interpretation is trustworthy. The king Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face and did homage to Daniel and gave orders to present to him an offering and fragrant incense. The king answered Daniel and said, Surely your God is a God of gods and a Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, since you have been able to reveal this mystery." Then the king promoted Daniel and gave him many great gifts, and he made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief prefect over all the wise men of Babylon. And Daniel made request of the king, and he appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the administration of the province of Babylon while Daniel was at the king's court. Let's pray. Father God, we are so thankful that when your word goes forth it does not go forth in vain and so this morning i pray that you would have your will and your way in each of our hearts show us father god how we can be on mission for you and that every day we would be faithful followers of you in our homes in our community being a light to this lost and dying world around us it's in the name of jesus i pray amen All right, you may be seated this morning. Thank you. Now, the big idea that I want you to leave with this morning is this. You are vital in building up God's kingdom today. As we go through this entire passage, that is the the one main idea that I want you to leave with this morning. You are vital in building up God's kingdom today. Whether here in America or across the world, you and I play a strategic part in helping the kingdom of God grow. And Daniel chapter 2, in these couple of verses, we see four specific ways for how we can build up the kingdom of God. But first, I want us to look at the context of this passage. Where is Daniel living at the moment here in Daniel chapter 2? What was that? I heard it over here. Babylon, yeah. Okay, so he is living as an exile in a foreign land. King Nebuchadnezzar and his army went and they laid siege to the city of Jerusalem and they took captive all of the prominent young men, bringing them all the way back to Babylon, grooming them so that they can become servants to serve in the palace. And so Babylon is the place where he is living, and Daniel is there as an exile, finding himself living in a secular culture that is rejecting God. Likewise, I would say we are finding ourselves there as well, right? Living in a secular culture that is rejecting God. Now look at verse 44 again. It's up on the screen for us to read. It says, In the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which will never be destroyed, and that kingdom will not be left for another people. It will crush and put an end to all these kingdoms, but it will itself endure forever. So Daniel here is in exile in the king of in Babylon, and then all of a sudden, King Nebuchadnezzar has this recurring dream over and over and over again, and this is what he sees, and this is what Daniel begins to interpret, because night after night, King Nebuchadnezzar is awoken with this nightmare. He calls his astrologers, he calls his magicians, his sorcerers, and he demands that they not only interpret the dream, but they do what? They must actually tell him the dream as well, So King Nebuchadnezzar is asking his people to do the impossible. But praise the Lord, we serve a God who can do all things. And so all of a sudden, we see Daniel come to the table, and he stands up for truth. Now, this is what I find truly fascinating about this section in Daniel. In chapter 2, verse 4, the language of the book changes. It switches from Hebrew to Aramaic from Daniel chapter 2, verse 4, all the way through Daniel chapter 7. So, how many chapters is that? Two, three, four, five, six, seven, right? Six chapters we have written not in Hebrew, but in Aramaic. Now, why is this? It's because the message God has here, he wants all the people of Babylon to hear. The common language of the day for everyone in the Babylonian Empire was Aramaic, not Hebrew. Only the Jews spoke Hebrew. And so what we have happening here in the passage this morning is that God has a message, not just for the Hebrews, not just for the Jew, but for all the people of Babylon and, yes, church, for us today. And what is that message? You are vital in building up God's kingdom. So how? How can we build up his kingdom? Well, number one, look at verse 44. It's this. We can have confidence God's kingdom will endure. Now, it was an either-or crisis for Nebuchadnezzar's astrologers and magicians, right? Either they get their dream right and they live, Or they don't get the dream right and they misinterpret it and what would the result be? Death. There was no middle ground. The king was not going to budge on his orders. Interpret it and live or don't and die. And who is the one that is able to interpret the dream? Daniel. Remember in verse 44, this is what we read. The God of heaven will set up a kingdom which will never be destroyed. Now this phrase, set up a kingdom which will never be destroyed, looks at all of history in which the kingdom of God will be established. And the Messiah, Jesus Christ, we read is the one who will set up this eternal perpetual kingdom. And so I want us to look at what the angel Gabriel foretold about Jesus. This is Gabriel telling us Jesus will be called son of the most high and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom will have no end. Whose kingdom? The kingdom of God. And Jesus knew that this was a description of his job when he came to earth. And so Jesus said that he would continually be that one who says the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That is the message he daily proclaimed. And then he told his disciples the same message. You must preach that the kingdom of God is at hand. Now what does that phrase, is at hand, mean? Well, the Greek verb used here appears in the active voice with the sense that the kingdom is on the cusp of dawning. Indeed, in some sense, it's already here. And so Jesus is proclaiming the now and the not yet of the kingdom of God. Church, has the kingdom of God already happened? Is it here today? In what sense it is, Right? because Jesus Christ came as the Lamb of God who defeated sin and Satan on the cross, but in one sense it is not yet here, because he has not returned as King of kings and Lord of lords. And so you and I find ourselves living in the now and the not yet of the kingdom of God, but we can rest assured knowing that the kingdom will endure I mean, just look at verse 44 again. How is this kingdom is described? First of all, it's a kingdom that God will set up. Secondly, it will never be destroyed. Third, the kingdom will not be left for another people, meaning no one can overthrow this government, this kingdom. Then it will crush and put an end to all other kingdoms. And finally, the kingdom of God will endure forever. So friends... Here's the point of verse 44. We can have confidence God's kingdom will endure. Did Daniel believe this? Did he believe that God's kingdom will endure even though he was in a foreign land? Even though he was living as an exile? Yes or no, church, help me out this morning. Yes, he believed that. And he believed it so much so that back in verse 16, he requested of the king to give him more time. To do what? To be able to declare the interpretation of the dream. Now, at that time, back in verse 16, did Daniel have any idea what the dream was about? No way. That's why he asked for more time. And so did he have any idea the meaning of the dream? Well, surely not, right? Because he didn't even know what the dream was. And so Daniel here is trusting God to bring the message, even though there was no guarantee of it. And then when that message was given, he boldly spoke to the king and wives were saved. So although Daniel didn't know what was in store, why he was brought to this foreign land, God providentially brought him there to save his people. For you see, all things are clear to God All things are clear to God even when we don't see it. All things. Because he can see the beginning and the end. And you might be in the midst of some place, somewhere in your life, where you don't know what is its purpose. Why are you going through this rough time? Why are you in this place? You don't understand. You can't see it, but the Lord does. My friend Peter Sai is one of the native missionaries that is in Burma. And he's learned recently what it means to trust God even when we can't see the full plan. You see, this last year, God providentially closed the door for him to serve as a missionary in North Myanmar. When the military coup took over that country, he was on a short list of people who were supposed to be arrested and killed because they were the ones that stood up against the military. So for a whole year, my friend Peter side was on the run. He had a two-year-old daughter. He had a three-month-old daughter he had not seen for a whole year. And I would constantly get phone calls about his safety, where he was, updates on whether or not he was alive, which village he might be in. And then finally, after a year, I sat down with him. Well, quote-unquote, sat down. It was over the phone. And I said, we've got to decide what God is doing here. And I know we can't see the whole picture. We we don't know what's going on, but maybe we can have you go south and you can blend in in a place where no one knows who you are and see what God can do there. So he went, he quickly grabbed his wife and his two kids and they got right out of his hometown where he was serving the Lord and they they moved down south. And within four weeks, within four weeks, four people came to faith And the church started in his little apartment. And then within three months, he entered into five new mission fields as he went and he shared the gospel so that 50 people gave their lives to Christ. And now Peter Sy is overseeing, helping us oversee a network of 75 native missionaries in the closed country of Burma and getting the gospel to the unreached. This year, we've seen I personally know of five foreign missionaries who have had to flee the country. But Peter side is still there serving the Lord. You see, what was Satan trying to do? Satan was trying to stop the growth of the kingdom of God. But what is the promise we have in Scripture, church? It's that his kingdom will work. Look at verse 44. Will endure. endure. Satan may try to stop God's growth, but God will not have it. And that is the promise of Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, that the gates of hell will not prevail. Okay? So we can have unshakable confidence in God's forever reign. That's the first way you're vital in building up God's kingdom. But secondly, how else can you build up the kingdom of God? You refuse the temporary kingdoms of this world. Now look at verse 45. In verse 45, in chapter 2, Daniel tells King Nebuchadnezzar what he sees in the dream. He says that he sees a stone that was cut out of the mountains without hands, and this stone crushed the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold of an image. And then he tells us that this dream is all about what will take place in the future. So I've got a picture of what this, this image looks like. It's an image that is first off made of gold right there. Then this chest and the arms are made of silver. Then the bronze is the belly and the thighs. The legs are iron. Then you have the iron and clay there. And then the stone I went ahead and put right here on the left side. And all of those sections of this image represents a future kingdom that will be destroyed. And that first one, the head made of gold, is referencing the kingdom of Nebuchadnezzar that will be destroyed and replaced by the Medes and the Persians. And that happened in 538 B.C. And then the Medes and the Persians would then be conquered by the Greeks, about 330 BC, and that was by Alexander the Great, and then Greece would give way to what empire? Rome. And then you go to the very bottom of the statue, and you have the, the feet, the toes, made of iron and clay, and that's referencing a future kingdom that will ultimately be destroyed. And scholars debate on uh, what that kingdom actually is. And there's multiple ideas out there. But the whole point is this. Whatever kingdom it is, it's going to be destroyed and God's kingdom will endure. Because we have this faith that Jesus will return. We have this promise that he will come and conquer all nations. So when you read about this image in this verse, the whole purpose is for us to understand that all other kingdoms will fall. Earthly kingdoms, earthly empires, all nations, all rulers, all governments, all presidents, they are temporary. God raises them up for a certain time, uses them, and then someone else comes up in power. And likewise, I think that all spiritual kingdoms, other than the kingdom of God, will also be destroyed. And what I mean by a spiritual kingdom, it's all those false narratives that we find in our culture today. False narratives like this, your best life is right now. Just follow your heart. Simply be who you are. You are the one who gets to create your own moral compass, so just do what's right for you. Our culture has false narratives like live for the moment. Your experience is all that matters. Hey, traditional marriage is of the past. Man, have fun today. That's what our culture is teaching us. These are the false narratives, the false spiritual kingdoms that we constantly hear day after day. And if we're not careful, church, if we begin to believe them and follow them, what gets compromised? God's word. And so if you want to be vital in building up his kingdom, a kingdom that will endure, you must refuse the temporary spiritual kingdoms of this world. Don't believe the lies that our society is telling us. Daniel refused to believe that Nebuchadnezzar, his kingdom would reign. Rather, he believed that God's kingdom would endure, and so he spoke against the spiritual kingdoms that were happening at the time of King Nebuchadnezzar. Alright, everybody, if you can, say this word after me, calm. Calm. One more time, Calm. 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 It means gold, okay? So, I'm going to share the story about Sai Kam or Mr. Kam. Mr. Kam is one of our missionaries serving in the communist country of Laos. And Laos is completely closed off to the gospel. You cannot be there as a missionary, even as a native. You cannot proclaim the gospel technically by law. And so, Sai Kam, Mr. Kam, lives under this repressive regime. And they watch him constantly trying to stop him from sharing the gospel. And last year, I went to visit Mr. Com, and I went to one of his mission fields. And before I could leave the main city, I actually had to go to the marketplace and buy a hat. Because they said, hey, you're a foreigner. They know what you're doing. You need to put this hat on and, like, hide yourself. So I had to go, go find a hat that morning. And then we left to his place. And so I want to show this short clip to you of what happened once we got to that place. So we're going to go ahead and show this video this morning. <laughs> uh,
0: okay, now, uh, this so is the first time i อ่า been here. I've time. I've been here for a long time. Wow, <laughs> of <laughs>
1: Another fun baptism. I tell you, all you need is a barrel. Um, that one was actually filled with old banana leaves from all their work that day because that was on a banana orchard. Um, so before we brought that there, we cleaned it out and you know kicked some people out who were taking a shower, as you saw. <laughs> and uh, a baptism ceremony right there at Mr. Com's place. Now, who was the first one baptized that day? It was a previous general of the communist army who was about 72 years old. For security reasons, I didn't put him up on this video, but he was the first man in that barrel to be baptized. And then right after him, as the other people in this banana orchard saw him courageously show his faith in Christ, eight more were baptized that same day. You see, Mr. Calm, he could have easily followed the spiritual kingdoms, the false narratives his lie was telling him, his culture was telling him, right? The false narrative of, hey, this is a communist country. If you share anything, you're going to die. Or, hey, you can get a better um, life in in Australia or to neighboring Thailand, so just go there and get a job. He could have easily followed that pursuit, but he did not. He is constantly, every day, sharing the gospel and seeing the kingdom of God grow in that way. So the big idea of our message is what? You are vital in doing what? In building up God's kingdom. So number one, you can have confidence that his kingdom will endure. Number two, you've got to refuse the false narratives, the false spiritual kingdoms that our culture tells us. And then third, How can you build up his kingdom? By pointing people to Jesus' forever kingdom. Now earlier in that picture, right on this left side of the image, there was what? There was a rock, a large stone. And back earlier, I mentioned that this was the stone that was cut out of the mountain without hands, and it is that stone that we see here at the end of verse 45 that will crush, also the end of verse 44, will crush and put an end to all these kingdoms. Well, church, who do we think that stone is? Anthony, yes. Jesus Christ Himself. Jesus Christ was and still is the stone God fashioned out of nowhere. Look at these verses for us. Isaiah chapter 28 verse verse 16 says, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a tested stone, a costly cornerstone, for the foundation firmly placed. And then you go to Psalm 118, verse 22. The Jews here are declaring in song the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. So these are prophecies of that stone that will destroy all other kingdoms. And these prophecies are then fulfilled where? In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20, it tells us. It says that the church has been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets and who himself is the cornerstone church Christ. Christ Jesus himself. And the apostle Peter then says in 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 4 that he is a living stone rejected by men but is choice and precious in the sight of God. So church Jesus Christ is that stone that will crush all other kingdoms in the world because of his sacrificial death on the cross sin satan has been defeated and one day he will return and restore all these things to its rightful place you know i love colossians chapter 2 verses 13 through 15 so could you turn there real quick right here we see the benefits of the gospel what awaits each and every one of us as a follower of Jesus. Colossians chapter 2, verse 13, all the way to verse 15. When you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, in other words, when we were dead in our sin, what did Christ do? Into verse 13. He made you. Alive, together with Him, having forgiven us all our transgressions, having canceled the certificate of death consisting of decrees against us which was hostile to God and He has taken it out of the way and He has nailed it to the cross. Now what is that decree? It's the decree of sin that each and every one of us has because we are sinners by nature. He has taken it nailed it to the cross, and on the cross he has disarmed, verse 15, the rulers and authorities. He has made a public display of them, triumphing over them through him. So our Lord and Savior has established a kingdom in no other way king in history has or ever will do. He established his kingdom by laying down his life for you. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so, if you were part of his kingdom today, you are the one who has said, Yes, I trust in the blood of Jesus and I need him as my Lord and Savior. And so now you get to point people to Jesus' forever kingdom. Can I have one person go back to Daniel chapter 2 and read for me verse 47? You can read it right here on the screen, or you can go ahead and read it in your Bibles, but can one person read this for me? We'll just read it on the screen. So Just one, or all. What do we got? Let's all read it for fun. Ready? Surely, Your God is a God of gods and a Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries since you have been able to reveal this mystery. Now there's two characters in Daniel chapter 2, King Nebuchadnezzar and Daniel. Who is saying this particular verse? King Nebuchadnezzar. You see, Daniel interpreted the dream. He foretold that it was talking about a kingdom that will destroy all other kingdoms, the kingdom of God. And then look at this proclamation and testimony from King Nebuchadnezzar. Your God is a God of all gods and the revealer of mysteries. You know, as Christians today, that is our job as we proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, we are revealing the mystery of the gospel. Because the truth is, there are people all across this world, in our nation, who have that hidden from them still. Satan has blinded their eyes to the truth of the gospel, and it is up to you and I to help them discover what is hidden, so that they might trust in Jesus Christ. We are are the revealers of mystery. So I need one of you to tell me what John chapter 14, verse 6 says. And if I need to start it out, just let me know. I need it from memory here. Jesus said, I am the? Good job. Why do we always need that little extra help from us, right? John 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That is the gospel message that we proclaim. I want you to go to this next slide. I have a picture I want you to see. This is a picture of our network in South India. Right here we have Shruti and her husband, along with a couple more missionaries, sharing the gospel on the beach now if you were here during the the first hour you would have heard that Shruti was raised in an orphanage she was dropped off there when she was just a baby but it was there where she found the love of jesus she was saved and god called her and her husband to go as missionaries to her own people group and so here they are sharing on the beach and there's 50 missionaries in this network in the South that Glory Project has sent out. And last year, eight, this is just eight of those 50 missionaries, started 55 new churches. 55. And one of those missionaries right here, he is engaging with a tribal group of fishermen who go out into the Bay of Bengal and fish in the ocean, and he's the only one that in, of anybody who is interacting with this people group to share the gospel. And so what are they doing? They have realized that the kingdom of God will endure, so they are pointing people to what? To Jesus' forever kingdom. Now, just last month, the country of India is no longer considered a hostile nation which means that they're hostile to christianity rather they have become a restricted nation which means that persecution is actively happening not just from the community but from the government and the radical hindus all across that country i received a report from one of our missionaries in this network and we always ask for their prayer requests and this is what he put in his report. He said, brother, this last week I was just walking on the road, just holding my Bible. I wasn't proclaiming the gospel. I was just holding my Bible. And this Hindu came up and got in my face and threatened my life that I shouldn't be there, that I shouldn't be a follower of Jesus, that I should be a Hindu because I was in India. And he said, would you pray that all of the missionaries serving with Glory Project would remain Faithful. What do you think he's still doing? Sharing the gospel. So you are vital in building up the kingdom of God. Have confidence his kingdom will endure. Refuse the the false narratives and the spiritual kingdoms that are out there. Point people to Jesus. And then number four, join with others to advance God's kingdom. Look at verses 48 and 49. This is what we read here. Go ahead and stick it on the screen. Then the king promoted Daniel. and gave him many great gifts, and he made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief prefect over all the wise men of Babylon. And Daniel made requests of the king. He appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the administration of the province of Babylon while Daniel was at the king's court. So after Daniel interpreted the dream, what was the first thing Daniel got? was able to receive? A promotion. Right? He's placed in a position of authority to have significant influence throughout the kingdom. And so now Daniel can truly change things. But what's the first thing he does? Verse 49. He brings others along. And who does he ask to help him serve in his new role? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, these were his good buddies, right? They were with him in Jerusalem. They went with him from Jerusalem to Babylon to be trained as servants in the king's palace. So these were his buddies. But did he just promote them because they were his good friends? No. They were promoted because they were godly men. Okay? And so we see what these three individuals, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego do. First off with Daniel, what did they refuse to eat? They refused to eat the food of the king and instead ate food, vegetables that were set apart. And then we see here in Daniel chapter 2 that they joined with Daniel in praying for God to deliver the dream. And then later on, Apart from Daniel, who is probably traveling in the Babylonian Empire, what did Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego do? Kids, you remember their story? Shadrach and Benny? Huh? The fiery furnace, right? Okay. King Nebuchadnezzar set up an idol, and he wanted every person to kneel down before the idol. But what did Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego do? Did they bow down, kids? No, they refused. As a result, were they given money? No, no what happened? The fire fire. They were thrown in the fiery furnace. And so godly men came alongside Daniel to make a change in this culture. And so if you want to play a vital part in building up God's kingdom, you need to join with others to advance the kingdom of God alone. Together, we can do it. You can't do it. I can't do it. Missionaries serving in Asia cannot do it. We need each other. Now, I got another question for this side of the, the, the church here. How many Jews were living in the kingdom of Babylon? All right, it doesn't have to be a specific number. Huh? Lots. But how many people lived in the Babylonian Empire? Even way more, right? So the Jews themselves consisted of a small minority in a large, vast empire named Babylon. And that could have been reason enough for Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Daniel to remain isolated, to remain silent, to remain in the king's palace, enjoying all those luxuries, and not speak up for Truth. But is that what we see they did? No. Story after story, time after time, of di- uh, time after time again in the book of Daniel, they speak up for the truth of God. And, church, this is what we are called to do today in our culture. You know, when I go and travel to different churches across the nation, I'm constantly being told over and over again that they wish it was the good old days again when the church had more influence in politics, when the church was actually considered um, a place where where policies and values could could go up to Washington, D.C., and they're just complaining about how it was and how they wish it was before. And to be honest, I don't think the church, we're going to be going there anytime soon. I think we will continue to remain like the minority. But that doesn't mean we can't give up. Rather, we need to speak more courageously for truth like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did, and we have to do it together. Daniel chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. I'm going to finish here. This is what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said before they were thrown into the fiery furnace. If it be so, if we are thrown into the fiery furnace, if we are killed... Our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king, but even if he does not. Let it be known to you, O king, that we are not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image that you set up. Five different times I highlighted them all in yellow for you. Five different times they use the plural pronoun. You see, together, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are having a unified decision to not compromise. Together, they said, we will do this. Together, we will expect God to intervene, but even if he does not, we will refuse to bow down to the false kingdom of kings. Nebuchadnezzar. Can we build up the kingdom of God by ourselves? No. We need each other. In South Asia, one of our missionaries this last last month prayed for a girl who was demon-possessed. Every time the demon entered inside of her, she would go into these wild fits of, of anger, just yelling and hurting herself. So our missionary would go and, and constantly pray for her. And then he asked if others would join in prayer for her. And then he would bring these people to her, anoint her with oil, pray for her to be delivered. And they did this day after day for several weeks until eventually God heard their prayers and she was delivered. And the testimony that she spoke, she spoke to the missionary was this. She said, I was so weak. When the demon took control, that every single time I thought I should just die. I thought I should just die, but praise God. Praise God. Now I am delivered. And these are the words he spoke to our missionary. I now know that your God is the true God because he saved me, and I want to now serve the Lord Jesus the rest of my life god cast out that demon not because one man prayed but because there was a community of christ followers who said we will intercede on behalf of this woman and then god delivered her so frank can you build up the kingdom of god by yourself no we need each other that's why we have the community of christ And so I want to just give you an opportunity to join in what God is doing in Asia and let you know that your church has been a great partner. You have been getting our updates every month. You've been praying for us. And the $300 that you've been sending to the Glory Project has been a great blessing to keep these missionaries serving on the front lines. Because $200 a month one missionary family gets to serve full time and they don't have to worry about their next meal for their kids they don't have to worry about whether or not they can send their kids to school they can afford that uniform for five bucks because they've got that 200 dollars coming in you see i want those missionaries to know that god will provide for them so that we can continually see the kingdom of god grow in south asia and southeast asia So I'm going to pray here in a moment, and I just want you to know that you've got this card that's laying in front of you. And after the service, come bring this to me, and if you want to receive our newsletter, if you want to ask God that you might partner with us in sponsoring a missionary, you can go ahead and do so. But just know that as a church, you're already making a significant impact by your monthly gift. And so go ahead and take this out Um, And downstairs, while we eat or outside, I would love to be able to talk to you more about what that means. Never forget your local church, because we cannot do this alone. We need our local church. We need each other to build up the kingdom of God. So what's the big idea of the message? You are what? And doing what? Building up God's kingdom. Let's say it together, church. You are are vital in building up God's kingdom. Let's change that "you" to the pronoun I. I am vital in building up God's kingdom. We get to do this together as God's people. Let's conclude in prayer. Father God, when we look at Daniel chapter 2, And we look at that dream that King Nebuchadnezzar had. It's a reminder and a testimony that the kingdom of God will endure. All other kingdoms will fall. Satan will ultimately be defeated. And when you, Jesus, return, the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. So I ask that you would unite our hearts together to continue to advance your kingdom in this world so that your glory would be on display for all people to see, so that those who are in sin would be set free, so that those who are living apart from you would be brought into the kingdom of Jesus Christ, away from the kingdom of darkness and brought into the kingdom of light. And I pray for every Christ follower that is here this morning. Help them to know this week they are vital in building up God's kingdom. At their work, in their family, in their extracurricular activities, at the store, in their community, they play a vital role in extending your kingdom in this world and in this city and this area of Cheyenne, Wyoming. And show them today And this week, how they can build that kingdom up. Give them the courage to share the gospel, the opportunity and the wisdom to see it. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.
0: helping with the offering.